friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're pretty much only going to be talking about player acquisitions because there's been a lot of that going on this week. So let's get right to it. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We are also joined by, uh, once again, Chris Haig. How's it going? Chris Haig. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having us on again. And Chris Wilhausen. Howdy, y'all. Good to be here. So let's talk about some players. So over the last few days, Austin FC has added nine players to the roster, bringing it to a total of 11, which means we could field a, a real team at this point. We might have to move some some guys around and play them a little out of position, but we could put a team on the field, which is weird. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're going to go through all those players. Um, before we jump in and kind of digging into the details, what were what were y'all's impressions of your initial impressions of these signings, the 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 trade window and the draft picks? Well, I, collectively, I think I said this originally. Like, I was not super excited about it because, um, I, honestly, a lot of it was like they didn't pick the guys that I wanted them to pick when I went through my <laughs> mock, like my mock expansion drafts picks, and so somehow Claudio thinks he like knows more about soccer than I do. But, um, cool. I think, yeah, what's wrong? What's his deal? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, clearly there's a plan and they're putting together the pieces of the plan. I'm just I'm ready for the whole plan to come together. And while I appreciate seeing a little bit more of it now, you know, I'm I'm ready for it to be revealed. And I mean, the big thing for me is I'm still not sure where a lot of the goals are going to come from. So I'd be curious to hear what other what the rest of y'all think about that. Yeah. Chris and Chris, what were, what were your initial reactions? Yeah, I'd say, um, well, I'm a teacher and I'm in the midst of a finals week, so I'm all in grading mode. <laughs> So I would say like, if I were to give this a grade so far, it's just an even B. Like some things at first, it didn't quite make sense. But like Jeremiah said, as you look at it a little more, you can see how it might fit into the bigger plan, the bigger picture. Um, I think the criticism is like, there hasn't really been a signing that has made me jump off the couch and get excited. Like, yes, that's that's awesome. Um, but that's okay because we're going to need players that fill those other roles. Um, once we have more players, I think it'll all fit together a little better and you'll see kind of what the, what the reasoning is for these um, players. So yeah, I feel fine about it. Not, not overly optimistic, not overly positive, I should say, or negative. Chris Wilhausen, any thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, I think the big thing is like the big takeaways is a, damn Claudio Reyna knows this league and this business. Cause like when I've seen those price tags, especially on that half day window, it's just like, this man is just twisting arms. Like, how is he pulling this off? Um, that was a big takeaway. I think if Reyna wasn't our GM and, and Wolf wasn't our coach, it would be pretty average or below average, but knowing how that system's going to look and knowing the vision these guys got, when you really add it into context, it's a really, I think it's a pretty strong window. And I'd say too, that, I think if other fans are feeling underwhelmed by it, if we had all three DPs before this week, I think you'd look at it and be like, my God, that was really good work. But because we're still craving that like game winning signing and those big names that are going to bring all the, the flash to it, you know, it's easy to feel underwhelmed, but at the same time, like you, you'll see Danny who's in score some bangers, you know, just give it time. It's <laughs> going to, it's going to come. I think it was a good one. Yeah, so Chris Chris Wellhausen mentioned the the money that was spent. I think that's something that stood out to me from the half day trade window was um it seems like we got some good deals for some some proven 
um, maybe not proven stars or proven starters for teams, but really good squad depth, really good rotational players who know this league, who we know, we know what they are, right? Like some of these guys, we know exactly what they're going to bring to the table. And I think maybe underpaid or got good value for several of them. Um, so I, I think that's, that's one thing that, that stood out to me from the half day trade window, the, from the, I, I guess let's wait and we'll talk more, a bit more about our reactions to the expansion draft uh, whenever we get into that section of it. But I, I think we did get some some good value um, for for some of these players. Yeah, I, I just want to add in, though, that like no international slots used, which is massive. Yeah, so that's that's even, big. Is it so do, do we have is it six or eight that we have still available? Six remaining. Six remaining. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because so I guess because Cecilio and Rodney took up two, mm-hmm. is that right? Right. Okay. right. Cool. All right. Well, y'all want to jump in and get our hands dirty and talk about get our hands dirty and talk about some players. Dude, I'm ready to get down and dirty. Let's do this. All right. So uh, Chris Wellhausen, you have been assigned Nick Lima. Tell us about Nick Lima. <laughs> well, y'all just clearly wanted to start it with the best one. Like I'm going to be so <laughs> bold to say I think this is the best signing we've made. Like full stop. But Nick Lima, right back from San Jose, we got for 500K in GAM, uh, which is general allocation money for any of you who spend your time not following this league on an obsessive level like me. Um, And, you know, 26 years old, 100 caps for San Jose, has played minutes with the national team in which Josh Wolf, our head coach, was an assistant coach at the time. And it's worth noting when he did that, that's kind of when he really broke out was when he got minutes at that national team and played under the system that will very much reflect ours and looked amazing. He's got seven goals and seven assists in a hundred um, games for San Jose. And I can say after watching some clips of it, those seven goals are all certified bangers. I mean, my <laughs> Lord, the dude loves a shot from outside the box. Like I'm so amped up about it, but He's, he's a great signing. He makes a lot of sense. He's versatile. He can play both left and right back, even though he's more dominant on the right. And he's a player in his prime. And, you know, I think the big takeaway with Lima is it's really hard to build a good defense in this league. And it's hard to find good fullbacks. And I think in Wolf's system, I feel really confident he could be a top three fullback in the league when he's really fit into a system that works for him. Because you got to think, like, being a defender at San Jose is like tr- trying to constantly put out a dumpster fire because they're just constantly moving, man marking. Like there's, it's just chaos control, you know. So, it I, I feel really good about him. I I I agree with you there. I think this this is the. I think the the only player we've signed so far that is well, I, I would put him and Cecilio in this category. I think both of them are going to be like pretty good players in this league. Lima, I'd say is like, I think you're right. I think he is a, a very good fullback in MLS. Uh, I think Cecilio will be in that same category, like guys that we know that we can depend on in, in that first season for sure. And I would also just add, I think I was reading right that Lima, just like you were saying, Chris, uh, about the system in San Jose, like he also, I read maybe wasn't just fully bought in, like didn't really like playing in that system. So like you said, put him in another system where he can really play in a way that he likes, and I think he'll do well. Absolutely. All right, any other thoughts on Nick Lima before we move on? Uh, just brace yourself for all the bangers. That's all I have to say, <laughs> like nonstop. I, I do think there's like a certain type of goal that can only be scored by a fullback. 
Yeah, and Nick Lima like, is, got a PhD in the goal you're describing. I swear <laughs> to God. I was like watching those videos like last night. I was like, I guess I'm not sleeping now because I'm hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next player we're going to talk about is Ulysses Segura. That's Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who's Ulysses Segura? Ah, uh, he's a uh, versatile midfielder, which I think is something that we'll hear a lot about. You know, we heard <laughs> him talk about versatility and flexibility a lot leading up to the selections. Um, we heard him talk about it when they talked about it a lot of players. But yeah, he can play both box to box and in the flank. Um, he is from Costa Rica, uh, which the same as uh, Segura. And I believe they they both came over on the same, both came to MLS in the same year from Sarpresa. Um, Cas- we got- Cascante, you mean? Oh, shoot. Yes, Cascante. Cascante. What did I say? You said Segura again. Segura and Segura. Yeah, those two guys. <laughs> he shares a hometown with, a, with my neighbor across the street, which, which I cannot even begin to pronounce. So I'm not going to try. <laughs> Starts with the G. Um, he uh, he played for DC United. We got him for 150,000 in GAM. Um, he's a pretty regular contributor over the last couple of years. Um, not as much this year, but he was one. So I, I watched two videos, and we'll get into the. Um, second one when we go through the other part but uh he was the one i got excited by after watching after watching the video and watching him play and seeing like he has a ton of potential to play both ways um and make some plays on the ball so i you know i think there's a lot of potential there for him and he was one too where um you know twitter reactions not everything but i felt like the fans reactions to that from the club he was coming from were they they seemed to think we had gotten a good deal out of it so i that that excites me i mean they know better than i do what what he can bring to the table yeah, I think Segura, like you said, versatility seems to be kind of the name of the game with a lot of these guys. Um, and yeah, I I think he was the one that that I read that had played in like eight or nine different positions, like everywhere but center back, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he's probably not going to be a guy that we're counting on to start, but a really good, solid bench player to have on the team. Just, um, yeah, good, solid presence uh, in the just for squad depth. Yeah, and he did he did start 40 out of 66 games in DC over 3 years. So there's there's potential there to do it. Certainly right now when we only have 11, he would he would be in our first 11. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other thoughts on Segura? Nope. Cool. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh Ben Sweat, Chris Haig, that's you. Yeah, so Ben Sweat is a 29-year-old left back uh joining the team from Inter Miami. Um he can also play center back, kind of win in a pinch, but I think mostly would like to see him stay at left back. Um, and as in terms of left backs in the league, I'd say he's good, maybe not great. He's not an elite level across the league, but but he's a good left back for sure. Um, but I think the biggest thing for him is is just the value, right? He was um, bought from Inter Miami for only a hundred thousand dollars in GAM. Um, he has a pretty reasonable salary, at least in 2019, he was earning $200,000 a year. So it's, it's good to see, you know, we're not spending a lot of money, but there's a starter right there who can come in and start at, and start at left back. Um, he also played at NYCFC before Inter Miami. So he was signed there by Reina in 2017. So there's a connection there. Reina kind of knows what he's all about. Um, and then he was the first pick in last year's expansion draft and then went to Miami and started uh, 20 games there this year. And I think kind of looking at the way he plays, he's got pretty good pace, um, you know, good defender, but he also likes to get forward and help out in the attack, which I think is something good to see. And I think that fits into the way that Claudio and Josh want to play. 
uh, getting forward, sending balls into the box. Um, I think that's something that he'll do well. And then the last thing that I would say just about what Josh and Claudio have said about kind of the players they're looking for, they've talked um, numerous times about the the climate, right? And looking for players that'll do well in Texas heat. And um, <clears throat> Ben Sweat is actually from Florida, obviously played at uh, Inter-Miami. He played college soccer at University of South Florida. So I think he's going to be like very uh, accustomed to this heat and he'll adapt pretty well. All right. Yeah. I didn't thought, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about like the geography of that all, but yeah, that that is mm-hmm. something that they said a lot that they want players who can, who will be able to just run and run and run. I, I think Ben Sweat is that guy for sure. Like, again, not, not a starter that I'm like super excited about. Like I'm not as excited about him as I am uh, Nick Lima, but it is a guy who we've seen can start and be a decent player in this league. So yeah. And for the value, I think, I think that was another piece of good business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say for those, those of us that were like obsessed on Sunday morning about the, you know, the trade window opening and there being 14 minutes of no picks, he'll always have a spot in my heart for being the first name that showed up. Right. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was the first player who was Ben sweat is Verde that we got to see uh, that morning of the trade. Yeah, that's something we haven't mentioned with with these other players, but Ben Sweat was one that came out of nowhere, right? Like a few of these guys, there had been rumors and um, articles written about and tweets written about, but Nick Lima and Ben Sweat both came out of nowhere. Like we weren't expecting those. And yeah. so with Ben Sweat, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, this this guy can start for our team. And then Nick Lima is the one that like got me real excited. I was like, oh, not yeah. just a starter, but like a really good player in MLS. So um, right. yeah, it's... I think the rest of the ones we're going to talk about, we probably already knew something about. Is that right? Or the ones we have talked about. Yeah. Segura, we had rumors about. Um, and then, yeah. And Any other thoughts about um, about Sweat before we move on? Yeah, I just throw in that, like, I think if you're looking at his time with Inter-Miami, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, okay, it's, it's a kind of whatever signing. But you go the year before when he was at NYCFC, dude looked good. He saw he was getting he got national team call ups because of that time and playing under uh, Reina's NYC FC you know like he, he knows the player well I, I think it's another one that's going to become a, a quiet signing that proves to be really solid for us in the long haul for sure yeah and in those years at NYC like those were there were two three years where they were a really solid squad and had very good defense too right and so he's got that experience of of playing in a very good organized defense and he's a veteran so that's something good to bring to a back line yeah and he's so at 29 he's the oldest of the five um that we got which i think is really a positive point for that too we didn't load up with a bunch of 34 year olds that are going to be here for a year and then and then roll out of the league so there's a lot of potential for these people to be players for a long time all right um let's move on to the next one who i'll be covering which is john gallagher uh we got him from atlanta united i believe we paid uh what was that total uh he's 175 i think up to 225 right he was the one that had some kind of incentive deal i believe that's right yeah so um so I think the slightly higher price is probably because he's an attacking player and he's also young. So 24 year old Irish forward, uh, like I said, came from Atlanta United. So he's uh, originally from Ireland, but he has a kind of an interesting story. His dad worked for Guinness. And so he kind of lived all over the world and like went to school in Connecticut for a while and then in Singapore and then in England. 
uh, ended up playing for two years at Notre Dame and was then drafted by Atlanta United uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, he kind of played for Atlanta United too. played some right back, actually mostly right back for Atlanta United too. Um, and then was loaned to Aberdeen in Scotland for a year, came back uh, earlier this year and ended up being uh, Atlanta United's top scorer this year. Mind you, that was only four goals um, for a very poor Atlanta United team. But yeah, Atlanta United's top scorer from all the research that I've done. Um, he's most Atlanta fans thought that he was like one of the brightest spots on that team this year. So, yeah, it seems like they were, again, sad to see him go, like we've seen with some of these other guys. As far as the kind of player he is, uh, like I said, he's played some right back. Atlanta played him at the, like, number nine for a few games, which is not his position. I'd say he's best when he's out wide getting forward. So it's pretty fast, uh, crosses the ball pretty well with both feet. Uh, His movement is quite well uh, off the ball. Um, He's not a fantastic dribbler. Like, he's not really going to juke around and take guys on and and create his own goals like that but super high work rate he's a fighter really a really tenacious player like if any of those 50 50 duels um he might not win it but he's gonna let you know he was there and was trying to get it so um i i just i really liked his attitude he seems like a, a nice guy as well i watched some some videos with him i think he'll be a good locker room presence um but again i don't expect john gallagher to uh be a superstar but I think he'll be a really solid squad player and can rotate in on one of those wings or just kind of wherever we need him to. And he's um, not super expensive again, which I think is another theme we've seen. Yeah, man, you know, what's what I like about this is again, we were talking earlier about like the context of these signings, like these aren't our blockbuster signings, but with, with Gallagher, you can see there may be a game that we have. If you put a, a front three, of Cecilio Dominguez, Rodney Redes, and, and Gallagher up top, they can all three play all three of those positions. So you get like a very Liverpool-esque full rotation, full freedom at the top that is just a nightmare to defend against. And while I don't think they're all three going to be starters, it's a cool illustration of what we're building towards, right? It's like getting guys up top in that front, those front three positions that can rotate seamlessly, free roam, and still keep the structure like it's a cool indication of what's to come and also just a good depth piece, I think. Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk more about that when we get into the draft the draft picks. I think especially with uh Danny Hoosen, who's a, a number nine striker, but he he can float around, he can combine with midfielders. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about him in a little bit. Yeah, and the the last thing that I would say about uh Gallagher is just like you were saying, like he seems like a player who he's he's a hungry young player. And I think that's a theme if we look at some of these younger players, like as fans, we don't really get to know what their personalities are like or, or you know, who they are. Um, but it sounds like from what Claudio said is that these younger players they're trying to get are hungry. They want playing time. They're going to compete for minutes. And that's only good for the culture of the club, right? Because if you bring in other players who are a little bit older, they don't have a guaranteed spot. They've got to work hard because there are these younger players who are talented, but they're going to fight for that uh, for fight for playing time too. So I think that's a positive thing as well. Yeah. So that, that reminds me of something else is like Geller is he's had to fight for every minute he's gotten so far. So he, I think he finished like kind of his youth age career in England and um, was not really like at a place yet where he was going to go and be impactful at a high level English team. And so I think that's when he decided to go over to Notre Dame and play college soccer 
and his he's traveled literally all over the world to be able to get minutes and to to improve and to grow and so i think you're right i think he is really hungry and wants to to prove himself and really wants to grow and be part of something bigger so um i i, I think he'll be one, a really good uh a good squad depth that is going to push the people in front of him because he's not going to just sit back and relax. He's going to be fighting for those minutes. I do hope that they got some sunscreen for that boy though. <laughs> that announcement pick. So red. He man. was looking yeah. so red. I was just like, Oh, this is going to like, I, I, I know you can run, but can you lather up? My guy? <laughs> like this is going to be a lot. Yeah. I was like Miami, Costa Rica, Ireland. Like one of these doesn't really fit. <laughs> Uh, all right. So the last one we'll just touch on briefly because this is one of the ones we had rumors about. So we covered him on the last episode, which is Julio Cascante. Uh, he's another Costa Rican player played on the same Saprisa team with Ulysses Segura, um, is coming here from Portland. And so where, where we see him fitting into the squad, I think he'll be kind of like a rotational center back, um, may, could, could challenge for a starting spot. Definitely. But I really feel like we're going to have at least one more like nailed on starter at center back come in and then uh, another person. I've, I've heard rumors of maybe Matt Beasler being brought in if he's healthy enough because he's a free agent. So maybe Matt Beasler and Cascante could kind of fight over that. That's that Chris Wellhausen seems sad about that. One. <laughs> but th- Matt Beasler, if you're listening, you, you don't need to come in <laughs> if you decide not to. Anyway, they could bring in someone and maybe Cascante and the other person would be fighting over that second spot or rotating in and out. And then we'll have like our our Walker Zimmerman or our whoever it's going to be who's like, this yeah. is the starter and the other other guys kind of rotate in and out. But one more thing that I wanted to mention about Cascante is um, I was I think we theorized about why he was chosen on the last episode. And what I thought was because of his ability on the ball. And so during the the press conference later later that day after the half day trade window i asked claudio that uh it's essentially why did like what was it about cascante that that interested you guys and one of the things he brought up was his ability to kind of start that start that transition and be uh an offensive player not just a defender and so i think that's another thing that we'll probably be seeing in in our defenders is what you see it with lima ben sweat is is solid moving forward as well so I think with our other center back, you'll you'll probably be seeing guys who can who can carry the ball forward a little bit and and are comfortable doing that. Um, so that's all the traded players. Uh, I think overall decent haul. Like we didn't spend a ton of money. The total was one point one seven five million. Probably two starters out of those trades, and then several solid uh, solid squad depth options. But uh, yeah, I think overall I'm pretty pretty pleased with it. Me too. I agree. I think it was a good haul. All right. Well, I think we will take a quick break and then we'll be back to go through the expansion draft and the four players we got in that. So we'll be right back. We wanted to take a quick break to bring you a word from our first sponsor, The Capital City Soccer Show is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And I think that's an experience that we've had with them. You know, anybody can say that in a read, but we've had the chance to meet with them two or three times and talk through it. And if you like look at their website or talk to these folks in person, like they are 
definitely committed to that and being sort of a different kind of law firm. And so that's, we're happy to take them on as our first sponsor because we seem to share a common set of values and excitement about the club. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think there's, um, we, we wouldn't have agreed to bring on a law firm as just any law firm as a sponsor. But like Jeremiah said, we got to meet these people. We trust them. We think they're doing really good work. And so we're very happy to have them as our first sponsor. So listeners, to find out more about what makes FVF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of case, visit fvf.law. All right, we are back. We're going to talk a little bit about the expansion draft now. So we did uh, quite a bit of content over the last couple of episodes about the expansion draft, including with with the Chris's here. Um, so the day before the expansion draft, they released the the list of players who were unprotected, essentially the list of players that we could choose from. And after going through that list and seeing like who was out of contract and uh, who got protected, not many of our players were still realistic options at that point of the ones that we chose in our expansion draft. So, uh, <laughs> and then we went through and kind of did another round of that and picked, uh, picked a bunch of players who we thought were going to get chosen in this expansion draft. And how many of those did we get right? Was it one? Joe Corona one. was on... At least one. Did you have did you have Joe Crone on your list? No, no, I had uh, Kamal Miller, but I was cheating. Oh, you did. I, oh, I had, that's an interesting one. I had one. Joe Corona. I had Joe we Corona. Did, we did yeah. well then. Didn't, didn't so, yeah. Did anybody pick Danny Houston? Uh In my heart, I did. I just didn't want to call it out because <laughs> I was like, two correct picks. That's, so, that's too much. So out of 20 possible picks, we got two of them, right? Uh, no. Which, I, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but okay. So Can I just ask, like, how did y'all feel the day that list came out? Yeah. Cause that's, oh, so the day the list came out, we'll start there and then move on to how we felt during the draft. I was an emotional wreck. Like on a level, <laughs> I'm like ashamed to admit because a, they pushed, they pushed it back like three times. And so I'm just like lingering in my own, like disgust with myself that I care this much about a list of grown men that might come <laughs> to my city. And then the level of insane like detail i was looking at all of these names for a good few hours like uh it was just it was a mess i was a mess yeah i I fell in love with clement diop in a way that i have never with a woman in my life like just instantly you know it was love at first sight and then and then you know it was woefully heartbroken like two days later Diop was like my rebound after Toronto totally dogged us and protected two goalkeepers and Alex Bono wasn't available, which like Toronto FC, if you're listening, like I have, I have, these fists are ready for you. I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm not healed from that. Yeah. So Toronto protected two keepers and then Red Bulls protected no keepers. They like both of their like semi starting keepers were available. And so, yeah, I was like almost positive we were going to take a starting goalkeeper, which I don't think we did. And then I was also almost positive we were going to take either uh, Uri Rossell or Tesho Akindele from Orlando. And we didn't do either of those things either. <laughs> yeah. This league stresses me out, man. But I would also say when it came when that list came out, I printed it out. And like we were saying, we kind of looked through and we're looking like which players are going to be free agents. So I, was, I just printed it out and then I looked at the other <laughs> list of out-of-contract players, option-declined players, and I just crossed all of those players out. And once I did that, I thought, okay, there's not that much left. Like, and, and I was left thinking like, I have, I have no idea what's going to happen, but 
that's pretty accurate for the way I feel about this league, right? This is an unpredictable league and that's part of the beauty of it. Chris, the fact that you printed it out and like crossed off like ones that weren't totally eligible is like the most teacher move you could have done. Well, I, I love because it. Because I did it at school <laughs> while I was supposed to be teaching. So. <laughs> I had to use my computer for other things. <laughs> yeah. So as the draft started, um, uh, what was the what was the order? Do we have these in order here, Jeremiah? No, we have we have them in order of uh, how we assign them to ourselves. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've got the order here. So first pick was Danny Houston, which I know Chris, you were you were jized about that one, but that was oh, kind yeah. of out of nowhere. Like there were some other strikers that we thought might might uh, might be picked, but um, I- I'm going to be breaking down Danny Houston, so we'll just jump straight into that. So. Danny Hussen, 29-year-old. Uh, he'll be 30 in January. Uh, he's a Dutch forward. Um, he signed with San Jose in 2017 from Groningen. Excuse me, Groningen, uh, I believe is the, the Dutch pronunciation of it. Um, on his contract with San Jose, he was on $550,000. I don't think there's any way that we're going to be paying him that. Uh, since he was out of contract, we we do get to negotiate a new contract with him. I don't think that pick happens if they think they're going to be paying them that much. So I would be very curious to know uh, how much they were paying. I, I think Chris Bills asked Claudio about this in the press conference and he uh, declined to answer. So who knows, but I would almost guarantee it's not half a million dollars. Um, as far as the type of player he is, I think he's um, really skillful. He's got soft feet, uh, good in possession, a pretty good passer but he's still big enough and athletic enough to be a presence in the box and can stretch the back line when he needs to. And after watching some video on him, I, I understand why Claudio and Josh really liked him. Um, he's does good, really good at like combination play in the box. Like he's, he's a pretty, like he's not a selfish striker. He, he will look for the pass if it's there. Um, and I think, I was reading some some stuff about him. I found uh, an article on quakesepicenter.com, which is a, a San Jose blog. Uh, and they, they kind of compared him to Wando and, and how different they are. So like Wondolowski's job is to get in the box, get on the end of a ball. And as far as um, counterattacks or like buildup, Wando is not going to be a part of that really. He's going to move in the box, get open and score. Um, Husin is... He's not the deadly finisher that Wondolowski is, but he's he offers a lot of other stuff. So he'll help keep position. He helps him build up play. He's fast enough to to kind of be an outlet on the counterattack and push forward there as well. So he's still going to be an asset even if he's not finishing and can kind of be be an assister or a, or a connector in play. Um, I think my biggest concern about this one is I, I'm not sure. Like, do you guys think they picked him to be the starting number nine? Or do you think that they'll be looking to to put some, somebody in front of him there? I don't think they picked him to be a starting number nine, no. But I do think they picked him because he can push whoever they sign to be a starter. Because if you want competition in one spot, you want it to be at that number nine role. And I think he'll definitely be a guy that pushes and offers a lot from the bench. I know. So Chris Wilson, I know you were very excited about Danny Houston. What? Give us your thoughts on him. I am, man. You know, he wasn't the first that like came to mind when you looked at the list, but he, again, it all comes down to the context, you know, and I, I stress this so much because 
you see all the time players that don't seem flashy. They go to a new team, they go into a system that fits them and they like explode. And this is the best example of it. You know, if you want to understand what Wolf's system looks like, look at the Columbus crew under Greg Borhalter, where Wolf was an assistant coach. In that crew team, there are three incredible strikers over the years, Kai Kamara, Ola Kamara, and Jossie Zardes currently. All three of those dudes had their best points in their careers there, and they all had the very similar profile to Danny Hooson. You know, all good in build-up, can hold up the ball real quick, link up play, find space well, bit of pace on them, can good in the air. He's he's going to be the next iteration of that. He's going to fit in the system so well. I think it's going to be like watching this dude go super Saiyan under Josh. Like <laughs> he just fits the mold, you know. So like, don't get distracted by oh he didn't have a you know he's coming off an injury or he wasn't like mind blowing at San Jose. Like he fits the system perfectly. Like trust the process on this one. I think he's going to be great. I th- I th- watching video of him. I think he and Cecilio will really enjoy playing together. Just the way Definitely. that they both kind of float around the box and move around, and really like to kind of do those one twos and these these little combinations uh, to get in behind the back line. I think they would both fit really well together and like really enjoy playing off of each other there. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and the one thing I'd add too is like you mentioned that Dutch team whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce of where he was before, but before that he was at Ajax and he got minutes for both the Dutch national team and Ajax's first team. Like, dude has quality, you know. So like, don't don't get distracted with the San Jose time. And again, that team I'm not even going to attempt to say, but like he's got the talent, and if we can pull that out of him, like he maybe he becomes an unexpected starter. Like he's he really has that much within him. All right, any other thoughts on Jenny Houston before we move on? Nope. All right, let's move on to the second pick, who I believe was Jared Stroud. So, Chris Haig, who is Jared Stroud? Yeah, so Jared Stroud, um, he was the second pick, and when I heard his name, I thought exactly that. Who is Jared Stroud? (laughs) This was his rookie year, and this past year was his rookie year, so like I recognized his name, but just he was not on my radar. So it was kind of a surprise. I wasn't expecting that pick. Um, He's a 24-year-old attacking midfielder from New York Red Bulls. Um, Like I said, this was his rookie season, so he broke into the midfield um, in New York this year, uh, appeared in 20 matches, and started 11 of them. Uh, He had two assists during that time, so not super productive in terms of goals or assists, but um, he was getting minutes as a, as a young player before this year, he was um, with Red Bulls two for uh, two years. And that's actually where he's got some press, some impressive results because in 2019, he logged uh, 15 goals and nine assists with Red Bulls two. So you can see what he's capable of there. Um, I think we just have to see whether it translates to, to MLS and this higher level. Um, a few things about just the way he plays. He's comfortable with both his left and right foot. So I think we'll more than likely see him lining up, lining up on the on the wings. Um, from clips from Red Bulls too, like he also appears comfortable kind of tucking into the middle and, and playing in the middle. And I think he played more of a, a central attacking position with them. But I just, I doubt that's where he'll play with us. Um, and... You can also, but just from the way he plays, you can see he's got pretty good vision. He's capable of some some really nice passes, some good crosses into the box. So as I was watching clips of him, I was thinking like, all right, this guy's good at passing some, uh, making crosses into the box. And then thinking about Danny Hooson or another target there, like you can see how it would work and kind of fit together. Um, 
but I think the biggest takeaway, again, this is a value pick. He's young. He was a rookie last year. He's going to be on a minimum contract. He'll compete for minutes. Um, don't know if he'll start very often, but he's got that potential to contribute, which I think is really big. Uh, one the the one thing that I remember uh, Claudio bringing up in the during the draft, like in little interview segments they were doing in between, is just that he he mentioned his motor. Just like he's another guy that's just going to run forever and mm-hmm. and will be fit enough to just do the do all the dirty work that that Wolf is going to ask him to do. And so I could see him just being another one of those guys, just going to be a workhorse whenever we need him to be. And we'll kind of plug in wherever we need him to, to do that work. Yeah, exactly. And I had, I had written down that Wolf said the same, basically the same thing in, in another interview. I think after the uh, draft, Wolf said he's, he's got an extremely good engine, right? So the same idea, he's just going to work really hard. And if he's not starting, like I can see him as a type of player that you'd bring in. 25, 30 minutes at the end of the game, just come in with a lot of energy and, and see what he can create. Um, Cause he's, he's young. Um, again, kind of like we were talking about in the previous segment, he's hungry. And I think he'll just um, try to do whatever he can to, to help out. And he's, he's also 24 years old. Is that right? Yeah. 24. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the point in the draft where I decided to let go of all expectations <laughs> and just kind of go on a ride with wherever Claudio wanted to take me. Uh, uh, we did different reactions then because I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to pick number three, which was uh, goalkeeper Brady Scott. I believe that's you, Chris Wilhausen. Oh, you're talking about Scott's tots? Yeah, I've got him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was the youngest signing we've made uh, at 21 years old, um, or from the expansion draft at least. I think Redis is younger than him by a year. But 21-year-old goalkeeper from Nashville, largely a reserve goalkeeper at Nashville. Uh, really high ceiling. It's kind of the story of this pick. Um, for anyone who's like, is this going to be our starting goalkeeper? No, but what Wolf said about him was he's someone that can – push to be that you know they want three they said they want three keepers that could all make a case for being starters I think he's just the youth side of those three um but past this time with Nashville he spent some time in Germany with Cologne uh again largely reserved there came back played in the USL for Sacramento then went to Nashville I think this is like let's not beat around the bush like the most underwhelming and kind of surprising signing from the day but let me break this down for you and shout out to Taylor Rudolph because we were texting during the draft or after the draft and he dropped the most like private investigator hot take I've ever seen. <laughs> I just like have to read you all this stuff. So if you're unhyped about Brady Scott, just like buckle up for this. So comparison to our current national team goalkeeper, Zach Steffen, both players went to the third division in Germany um, came back, played for a USL team, and then went their way to MLS. At 21 years old, both players were valued at 110K exactly. At 21 years old, they both had exactly 13 caps for the US um, under 20 national team. And basically, Taylor has like now convinced me this is the second coming of Zach Steffen. <laughs> and whether that turns out to be true or not, it's a good illustration that like this guy may feel underwhelming and like not make a lot of sense right now, but he's had the same trajectory by this age as the best goalkeeper in a country known for goalkeepers. Like 
he could end up being a great signing. Um, and both and ended so up playing I, under Josh Wolf at the age of 21. It, yeah, exactly. Like the parallels are ridiculous, but um, yeah. So I think, you know, a little underwhelming and, and doesn't make a ton of sense on first glance, but when you realize we don't have a, a youth Academy that instantly is going to be turned into senior team players and you need youth in your side and you, you want people that you could still sell on down the road and can build in value and have that enthusiasm to push for minutes. Like he's that guy, you know? And I think even more so when you look at the players available in the free agency, like David Bingham, Brian Rowe, uh, Joe Bendick, like they're starting caliber goalkeepers. We can sign to the next few days that then make this like a perfect signing because we have this talented youth prospect that we don't have to throw into a starting position, but can have a, a huge ceiling, you know, down the road. Yeah. I think that's maybe where the disappointment came from a little bit on the initial reaction is that, you know, we all had like, clearly we all were in love with Diop, which we talked about. Um, but there's also Mira and there were a couple more like starting quality keepers. And for us to take one and for it to not be that, I think an immediate reaction is going to be negative, but you know, again, like we said, there's a process. And Claudio said upside like four times in a minute and a half talking about him. So either he was really like losing vocabulary or he has a ton of upside. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think to expand on that, like we could take this starting keeper in the draft and sign them. Or we could like if we were going to go out and buy a 21 year old goalkeeper with a bunch of potential, it probably would have cost more than what. Like it would have cost some money, right? And so we got this kid for free. And then there's several starting goalkeepers that are are available as free agents. So we can get them for free also. So if we can fill both of those spots for free, then I think in hindsight, this is the smart move, right? Like get both players for free instead of getting like the exact starter you want. Maybe we're not going to get the exact guy we want, but there are several starting goalkeepers available just within MLS, not to say even looking at other leagues, but just within MLS free agents, there are starting goalkeepers available. And we're going to end up, if we sign a goalkeeper in free agency, we're going to end up getting both of those guys for free. Right. And I think that's a great context because when you say there's a lot of starting caliber goalkeepers available in free agency, like those are all like 30 year old goalkeepers. You know, there's not a lot of promising 21 year olds in the free agent market. So like, I think when you throw that understanding into the mix, it's like, yeah, maybe that is why we get the free pick for the young promising kid. And then we go sweep up a experienced 30 year old and the free agency. And I think you, you've got to have that backup keeper. And I think it's important to know who that keeper is and have a little bit of trust. And Claudio mentioned that he's known this player for a long time. Like he, he knew him earlier in his youth playing days. Um, and I think, you know, you never know when you're going to have to use your backup keeper. And, and so you want to have somebody that you know is talented and can hopefully do well, because we saw that in Minnesota this year, right, with Dane St. Clair coming in and a, a young keeper and actually did pretty well. So you just want to, we know we're going to have to have a backup. So why not a young guy like him who, who um, we can put a little bit of trust in if needed um, and just see what happens as he develops. That quote from Claudio that you just mentioned sounds like it was inspired by a, a question from a from a very intelligent and handsome podcaster. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I again, I think it to be during the thing a little bit disappointing, but in hindsight, I, I think yeah, pretty pretty good so far. Um, let's move on to the last pick, or not the last pick, the last pick that we kept, which was Joe Corona, and I believe that's you, Jeremiah. 
Yeah, midfielder Joe Corona from LA Galaxy, probably the person who's most well-known, just general name-wise, because of time. With the national team, he's also, uh, he's 30, so he's the only, he's the oldest guy on the team right now, right? Like, he's the grandpa of the team, I believe. Um, he's the only, everybody yeah. else is 29 yeah, or that's under. that's right. Um, you know, inc- obviously, including Rodney and Cecilio, uh, spent 40 starts and 49 games with the Galaxy over the last two years, um, scored two goals and added three assists. I think I probably, before I've like looked at his numbers, expected that he would have been a little more productive. Um, and I would think that, uh, you know, he's got a long career, but one of the things I got from, from watching his video is then I went back and noticed that his highlights were like appearances. He's a leader. You know, he's good at passing the ball sideways. Like, uh, I mean, you know, he's like, he's a steady part of the, of the club, but, um, I'm probably not as excited about him as I would think just from looking uh, at his at his name after after watching the video and and read a little bit more about him, I remember like Josh's stuff is all like he's a nice guy and he's like a locker room <laughs> leader and you know he's really smart and sure he's not that pretty but you know um it's just but I mean you got you got to have that kind of player and I mean think it was probably a decent value for that Wellhausen looks offended by my uh, characterization yeah, of dude, him. I so don't know, I don't know if you're like a big time Dosecki's fan or something <laughs> hidden on Corona over here, but he's a good pick. Like I can, I profoundly disagree with you and your like tone right now. Um, like he, a, he plays like a dirty work role at the six. So like, he's not really meant to be the flashy dude on the field. Um, but he's a good distributor, you know, he's going to set the tempo and he's also got a good presence in the air. You know, I, I think if you look at those, those goals, he scores, a lot of them are headers in and around the box, which is a valuable thing to have. But I would not be mad if he ends up being our starting number six. Like he he's got that steadiness about him. Also won a title in Liga Mekis with Cecilio at Club America. And I love having some trophy winning mindset in the locker room. So yeah, Jeremiah, get out of my face with this. Like it was a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say when I when I watched the video too, I mean he did he was a lot of um there's a lot of link up play. There were there were a lot of bold attempts, and maybe him and Cecilia will recreate that magic together. And maybe it's not his fault that, you know, the Galaxy for the last couple of years, other than um, than Zlatan, the Chris Wellhausen of soccer players, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of been a mess. So maybe it's not his fault because there's a lot of like him trying creative things forward and then the other team getting in the way of it because the player on the other end didn't link up. Yeah. Next to playing defense for San Jose, playing midfield for the Galaxy is like one of the worst places to be. <laughs> so <laughs> I I think another another thing that you've heard Wolf and Reyna mention in their style of play is they mention possession a lot. And I think Corona's another one of these guys that um maybe he's not going to be the one to hit that that final deadly pass, but he will help keep that ball and and kind of distribute it around the midfield to the guys who are going to hit that final pass. So I think that's where he's going to bring bring some value. So do you guys do you guys feel like Joe Corona is someone that they're going to be counting on starting or do you feel like he's maybe um, one of those rotational guys. I think he could be a starter. Full stop. I, th- I think he will be a starter. He's going to be the starter I'm least excited about, obviously, but I think he will be. Damn, That's kind of how I, I I feel like he, he'll probably be given the benefit of the doubt just as like a veteran presence, like beginning of the season, he'll probably be one of those penciled in to start. But uh, as we bring in other players, there'll probably be some, some higher ceiling guys that might push him out of that spot or, or take some of his minutes away. But he's a guy, yeah, like Chris Wells and said, I would be happy for him to be, to be a starter as of right now. If, if we, if someone pushes him out of that spot and is better than him, great, but I would be comfortable having him in our midfield. 
And I would, I would also say like, I do expect him to start, but I think I would feel, I, I'll feel more comfortable about him starting once I know what the rest of the midfield looks like. And just, you can see, once you can kind of see what his role is going to be. So he doesn't have to take on too much. Like maybe he doesn't have to take on too much creative responsibility, but if he has a clear defined role and other players to work around him, then I would feel very comfortable with him as a starter. All right. Yeah, let's just say it right now, Jeremiah, if he starts like, a majority of our games next season and gets like five goals, you owe me a pack of Corona. Corona okay. <laughs> con Lima. See. <Si>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So the last pick uh, was Kamal Miller, who's a 23 year old defender from Orlando city. Uh, he didn't stay long though. Ended up trading him to, um, to Montreal. Is that right? Is that who we traded him to? Yeah. 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 I miss him already. So traded him to Montreal for uh, $225,000 and uh, an, the number 11 pick in the first round of the Super Draft in January. So um, I uh, another another very handsome and intelligent podcaster asked Claudio about this in the, in the <laughs> press conference and um, got this, this quote that uh, Chris Bills ended up writing about and then um, got this fact out of him. But it was the most allocation money um that anybody's ever gotten out of an expansion draft trade in mls history so uh whenever i whenever claudio was talking about that in the press conference he seemed like very enthusiastic about that part like he he hadn't brought it up or anything but whenever he started talking about the money that they got he was like thrilled about that trade like very happy about getting that money back so if you take all the money spent and all of the money uh, that came back through that trade on uh, nine players, they ended up spending less than a million dollars. And so I think as far as the, the value of all of this goes, I think that was a really good, um, really good value. But uh, were you guys disappointed to see Miller get traded? Would you have liked to see him stay on the team? I, I had, read about him a little bit. I mean, he was one that I had like picked in my five after the list came out. I may or may have not may or may have not been like influenced a little bit about some things people had shared on Twitter. Um, but he's, he's a player that I would have been happy to have because he's a young, talented um, defender. And he's, he's also like rising in value. Like he's kind of come onto the scene and you never know where he could end up sort of. Um, so I would have been satisfied if he had stayed, but also it's good to get that money back and I'm sure they have plans of where they're going to use it. All right. So looking back at, at all of these picks, um, Chris, Chris Haig, you mentioned, uh, the, the grade that you were given, uh, you, you said yeah. a solid B. I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is like context, right? Like I feel like we need to see what they're going to do on their final project before, before we give them their overall grade. So, uh, yeah. keeping that in mind, like, how do you guys feel about all of these these trades and picks that we've made? I mean, overall, I feel good. You know, I, I really think context is the key here. And like, I'm so sorry for everyone sick of me saying that word, but it's it's true. And you, you mentioned like nine players for less than a million dollars. Like the biggest obstacle I hear people talk about with expansion teams is you have to fill a full roster, which is a ton of money. It is very hard to do like that is a ton of talent and recruiting to do to get nine guys that are all positive you know whether they're all starters doesn't matter they're all positive signings that 
every fan I saw from the other teams were upset that we got them, which does a lot. Um, like for that price, like that's, that's good business. And then when January opens up, we start spending all that TAM money, which we haven't even touched yet. Get those other two DPs. Like you're going to look back and realize like, wow, we've got some really good depth here. So yeah, I think overall it's, it's good. Yeah. And I was, I would echo that if, if it ends up being depth, it's all good. Cause I think in terms of age, hunger, value and flexibility like they got a ton of that um and there's not a lot of dead money and there's not a lot of you know overwrought veterans i just you know just hope just i'm ready to see the big names yeah i I would say i'm not super there's very few of these players as individuals that i'm super excited about but i think after doing the research and kind of comparing comparing it to what other teams have done I think what has me most excited is kind of the the groundwork that they're laying to be able to fill the rest of the roster. Because like you said, they haven't spent that much money yet. That means that, I mean, not all of these guys are going to hit, right? Like some of these guys aren't going to work out. They're not going to end up playing that much for us. But we didn't spend very much money on any of those guys. So the guys that we spent real money on, um, I'd say like Nick Lima, Cecilio Dominguez right now are really the only guys that we've spent real money on. And I'm pretty confident both of those guys are going to play big roles Mm -hmm. on these teams. The rest of these guys are very low money. If they don't hit, it's not a huge deal. Uh, And MLS is a league where if you spend money, you have to be right. Like you, you can't afford to be wrong because you can't just go buy another guy. It's, it's a salary capped league. So you have to be right on these things. And I feel like they're, lining themselves up to be in a really good position to fill these really important roles um, and and be able to spend that money. Can't guarantee they're going to spend the rest of the money that they've saved smartly. That's going to be the, the next part, like the next step in this process, right? So, uh, but I think the groundwork they've laid is is very positive so far. Yeah, you know, one other thing I, I want to throw in though is like, if if you're like, oh yeah, I could get context, whatever, we're building a team, but like you're, eager for like what that finished product looks like look at nycfc the last team claudio was with and you know you mentioned earlier when we were talking about ben sweat like that's a good team that's not just a good team since they've been in the league that's the most winning team in the league like just because mm-hmm. they haven't made it across the finish line in the playoffs like don't be fooled that's tech by by wins the best team in the league since they've been introduced and that's because of their depth it's because he knew how to build out a full team and get a lot of positive players across the board. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. All right. Um, so there's, there's been some other rumors come out, uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday night and earlier this evening, Anthony Precourt put out a green smoke tweet. And so there's going to be more signings coming very soon, probably tomorrow morning. Um, we didn't want to push this recording back any more than we had to because we are already kind of underestimated how many players we're going to have to talk about during this one. <laughs> and so uh, we'll be talking about them on the next show. But one of the rumors that we wanted to mention real quickly, who could be the player that gets announced uh, the day that this this episode is released, is uh, Johan Romagna, who is a 22-year-old Colombian center back uh, playing at Club Guarani with, uh, with Cecilio and Rodney right now. So he's a... a a big, exciting center back. He's kind of one of these all action guys that uh, runs all over the place. He's big, fast, strong, will push the ball forward, likes to carry the ball forward when he gets a chance to. 
Uh, probably one of the guys that's going to make you pull your hair out every once in a while. But whenever he's not making you pull your hair out, he's going to be really fun and entertaining to watch. So I would honestly be pretty excited to see them sign this guy because I've I've really liked watching him play as I've been watching Cecilio and Rodney play for Guarani. Uh, so we'll see if that's who the signing is in the morning. If it's not, we'll talk about whoever it is on the next show. Uh, another few things we want to mention before we wrap up are the end of year waivers that happened uh, today on Wednesday. There, I think there was one player picked. Yeah, in the whole thing. One, one total player. Yeah. So we'll skip that. Uh, free agency also open today. That'll be a little bit slower moving. I think we have until the 22nd um, for that process to go through. Uh, MLS super draft details were released. That's going to be on January 1st. We'll have 21st. Uh, sorry. What did I say? January 1st? January 1st. Yeah. January yeah. 21st. January 21st. Um, Austin FC will have four total picks. Is that right? Right. Three so rounds. The first, mm-hmm. Yeah. With the first pick and the 11th pick. And the three out of the three rounds. Yeah. So that's something else to look out for. So anyway, in the next month, we're going to see lots of players come through. Um, and we'll be talking about all those as we go. All right. Before we wrap up, I wanted to remind you to rate and review and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also encourage you to go to capitalcitysoccer.com where you can find all kinds of Austin FC news and articles. Hopefully everyone, everyone has a safe and healthy holiday season. We're going to take a little bit of a, Again, a slightly longer break, but we're going to be back with the show sometime between Christmas and New Year's um, to cover whatever news happens between now and then. So we're not going to be gone too long, but we'll we'll probably have some more player signings to talk about. Uh, I'd like to thank Chris Wellhausen and Chris Haig for joining us again. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for, for coming on again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is a blast. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. also share what tom bogert said about your cap on that sunday call <laughs> while, while you're asking the question i believe uh he said it was fucking dope <laughs> and it was he was right it's beautiful yeah it is fucking dope that's one of my proudest mls moments is that that tom bogert liked my hat so thanks tom if you're listening he's not listening <laughs>